Hi, and welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. We are so glad that you're with us today. Today, we want to talk about why we went to Israel in the midst of a war. And uh, in fact, a lot of people in our family asked that That's too, right. Joanne, That's right? Exactly as we, right? As we Actually, went. Actually, a lot of people in our family wanted to come with yeah, us. Yeah, they did. Two of our sons, Tommy and Josh, did come with us, but more wanted to come. Our son-in-law, Matt, some of our daughters wanted to go um, right. because we really? love Israel and we wanted to stand with them and still want to stand with them during this time of this horrible war that's going on. So yeah, why did we go to Israel in the middle of a war, Tom? Well, you know, uh, we were called to Israel and it's different from any trip. We always say this, even on a Bible tour, it's it's a calling. It's not just a tour. That's right. And so we were called to go. We knew we were supposed to go. And so joyfully, six of us went. Four in the Doyle family, really all of them would have gone. Even That's the grandkids right. want to go. That's true. Some of our grandkids wanted they to go. Did. That's right. But we got a phone call before we left. And it was from a dear friend of ours, Samuel. And he said, just so you know, you're coming to a different country. And mm. we've been there over a hundred times and uh, it was from the moment you got off the plane, it was different. And what was one of the first things we saw? Um, well, first of all, the airport, which is typically busting with people, you know, people everywhere running into them. This time, there was like hardly anyone in that airport. And then as you walk down this one long corridor, it, it just was heartbreaking. And I love that they did this. It was picture after photo after picture of every single one of those hostages with their name on it and their age and a little bit about them. And it just, and they were big posters. It just made it all the more real, um, seeing it in person, knowing that is happening right where we are standing. It, yeah. What did you, what was your impression, Tom? Well, you know, I think we were in some ways prepared for it, but then we got there and realized how much worse it was. One of the things that we heard before we left was from some dear friends that live there. We don't know one family that mm -hmm. didn't have someone killed in their immediate family or that they're related to. Or someone that they know that's been kidnapped or held hostage yeah. or, you know, a relative or friend of someone. Yeah. So either way, someone so killed it, or yeah. taken captive. It was all over. The picture's all over. In fact, we're looking at a little poster and we'll we'll mm -hmm. put it on this podcast of just all the hostages that were um, that were there. And many of them have been released. Many mm -hmm. of them have died, sadly. But we knew we needed to go near the place. And so we went south. After we rested up, we, we got in the van and we went down south. And the first place we went was Kifar Aza, which means village of Gaza, meaning that it's near Gaza. So this is a kibbutz right against the fence. In fact, it's right across from Khan Yunus, a refugee camp in Gaza, which we've been in. We'll, we'll talk about that one day. We should right, do a do program on Gaza, just, Gaza, just our yeah. time there. But anyway, so we went down and saw that, and it was heartbreaking to see the devastation. We were blessed. We had a, a new friend. Her name is Chen, and she led us around and told the story of what happened on that day. And many of the people had no idea what was going on, mm -hmm. and they uh, were awakened to the sounds of gunfire or screams. And 
It was horrible. Mm. What, what were your impressions as you went? Well, when we um, got down there, of course, we're all apprehensive as we're driving closer and closer and seeing the billows of smoke as rocket after rocket is, is being fired into Gaza. Those were rockets that Israel was sending in. But then we would see them coming back out and the Iron Dome catching them. So it just was surreal. But then when we drove on to the kibbutz grounds, um, initially I thought, well, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it did. It was a beautiful place. It looked like a wonderful place mm-hmm. to raise your family, beautiful parks and grasses and so forth. We saw bullet marks and things, but it didn't, and things kind of falling down and messed up and, but not horrible. But one of the first things that I noticed was the deep boom of those rockets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here we had on our bulletproof vests and the helmet that they Helmets. had us wear. And um, we're meeting Chen for the first time who lives there. And so she has lost loved ones. I mean, she has mm-hmm. seen and heard horrible things. And so when those big booms, those rockets would land, I would just, all of us would just, you would just jump. It was so involuntary. And then I felt guilty. I thought, I don't want her to think I'm afraid to be here when this is her home. And she said to us, she saw that and we would go, I'm sorry. And she'd say, no, no, no. She said, by the time we finish, you'll get used to that. You won't even notice it. And after about 10 minutes, I mean, I still involuntary. And it was like every couple seconds, there'd be another one and you would just flinch. It was so deep and so loud. And the smell, we were there 70-ish days after October 7th. You could still smell the remains of those those that lost their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, as we started walking further into the kibbutz, the devastation got worse and worse and worse until we got to where you could see where these homes that were completely burnt and destroyed. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how horrible it was. And you could see the Gaza border right there. And we were so close to it. You could see the fence. I mean, it was, I don't, I'm not good with yards. It was, how far is it? Mm-hmm. It was, well, some of the homes actually looked right, right through at the it. I mean, wire fence. Like as, big, as far as your backyard. Yeah. And then there's a small zone in between them and Gaza and then Khan Yunus refugee camp is right is. there so they could easily see right. their neighbors across the fence. And sadly, there were people that um, really wanted peace with uh, the Palestinians and uh, had done some co-op farming. They'd mm-hmm. done projects together. They even had something that was an art display that people from both sides doing mm-hmm. a painting together. And these are people that really wanted peace. They believed in peace. They thought it could happen. And these people were helping the people in Gaza, the people in Kafar Aza. They were taking um, folks from Gaza to their medical appointments right. and hiring them to do different things. They could make more on the Israeli side than they could in Gaza. So they had a lot of friendships with people from Gaza. And many of those friendships were the people that came into their homes knew all of their names and were the ones that brutally murdered them. Mm. So um, it was eye-opening. And yet, honey, why don't you tell everyone, um, you know, we had this, we were there several hours, but then toward the end when you asked Chen, the, the, the gal who is probably pretty, um, maybe a secular Jew. Secular Jew, um, I would think. Yeah, but tell us what happened, your conversation. Yeah, at the end. and so at the end, you could just see that telling the story, because we're walking by homes of, of friends mm-hmm. that, that she lost, and um, and we're seeing the spray painting on it from the military, and the red meant that it was um, 
someone died in there and they were their body was still bodies in there bodies were and this still is in there if are. there was yellow spray paint it meant that a terrorist died in there and, and the body is still in the body there. was there and and uh, not when we were there but it was and then there was also the, posters up in front of homes and the ones that were kidnapped that were actually still in Gaza they had a poster of them on their home their that was home. destroyed and so we're seeing all this it's just utter devastation you've really never seen anything like this except in a movie. And then at the end, we were closing, and I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to ask Chen if I could pray for her and the people there. And here is this secular Jew. She just thought about it and said, that would be nice. And as I started to pray, she just reached over and just leaned mm -hmm. into me. Joanne, it reminded me of pastoring when you went to see someone at the hospital and mm -hmm. and they were just overwhelmed because of what was happening you know with one of their loved ones in the hospital and she just kind of melted into my arms and prayed and said thank you that was so nice i i really thank you for that and she could see that we had a heart for them and she gave you a gift joanne what was that um, well before i share that sweet gift with you what chen did which i thought was beautiful is when tom asked her to pray he read a beautiful passage out of scripture was it psalm 27 that was just right. so poignant you can read that in a moment but then when she um said yes would you pray for me she gave her phone to one of the people on our team to to film Tom praying. And then she wanted that recorded. So I don't know if she, I hope she's watched that prayer again, but then you read her from oh, Psalm 27, yeah. which is a And this is a passage. passage that we're familiar with. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so you, you know that you've heard that probably several times in sermons. Don't be afraid. The Lord is, is there. He is your, light and salvation, whom should you be afraid of? But it goes on. And as it goes on, this chapter sounds like it was written a couple of weeks ago and mailed straight from heaven. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Of the war break out against me, even then I will be confident." And as I read the scripture, Chen, it resonated with her. That's exactly what she had gone through just weeks before that and experienced that and survived. And so uh, she's still living down there. We hope to go see her. And I had a wonderful conversation with her on the phone as uh, we talked and uh, just caught up with her. And yeah. um, again, the Holy Spirit said, say this. And so I said, uh, Chen, you've known a lot of rabbis in life, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't know if you've met a, a lot of pastors, but I'd love to be your pastor. Mm. And she just got quiet and said, thank you. That would be, would nice. be nice. In fact, we were just Touched texting her today. And so we have developed a friendship with her. We've sent some funds in from Uncharted Ministry to help the rebuilding of their kibbutz. But the gift that she gave me as we were leaving, you know, hugging her, it was hard to say goodbye. We didn't want to leave. And, you know, I was hugging her and I told her, Chenna, I love your heart. You have got such a tender, tender heart. And then she said to me, I love your heart. She said, I have a gift for you. And then she gave um, you know, we have these, each have these necklaces on that in Hebrew on the top and English on the bottom, it says, bring them home now. And this is, of course, for the hostages, for those held mm -hmm. captive. And so then she gave me another one that I clip on it and I wish I had it on me right now, but it falls off. And it says, um, 
my heart is in, is with Kafar Aza, the name of the kibbutz. Yeah. And so um, that was, she gave me a piece of her heart. That wasn't just a, a, a plastic piece to add on to my necklace. She shared her heart with me. That's right. And you know, as we look at the Old Testament, we see that many times Israel, through war or tragedy, they turn to God. It, it was a wake-up call. And we're not saying that God did this and trying to wipe out Israelis and all, all of that, but God has used this and people have been softened in their hearts. And I think people that thought their security, their military strength could save him, didn't happen that mm -hmm. day. I think mm -hmm. those that thought, well, they they really, the Palestinians, they just need a better opportunity. They, they need to get out of Gaza. They need, you know, uh, to make more money, whatever those uh, thoughts are. Uh, that's not what this was about mm -hmm. at all. It has to do with the sin in the human heart. Right. And so for us as believers, we believe Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? It's just so wicked. Mm -hmm. And they experienced that on October 7th in Kifar Aza. As we finished there, we went into the city of Stirot, and that's the place where we actually rent a facility for Holocaust survivors. We meet with them, we work with them, also used as a bomb shelter right. because from Gaza, it's half a mile. And so when a rocket is fired and it's coming towards Sterot, they have how many seconds? Like 15 to, to 20 seconds. 15 seconds to get into a bomb shelter. And so almost every place in Sterot has to double as a bomb shelter. And sadly, some of the outside bomb shelters are all over Sterot. So, you know, they paint them with pretty pictures on them so children won't be afraid of them. But as people ran into those shelters, Hamas went in specifically into those shelters and killed people point blank, knowing that that's where they would go for protection. So it was just a barbaric day. So we we ended up in Sterot, met with some people there and um, brought some aid, trying to help them to rebuild their city as well. No one, very few people are living there now. Maybe they're coming back now, but when we um, were there, very few of them were living there. The rockets were still coming over. People were afraid. Um, but one thing that happened there, Tom, that I'll never forget, we were looking at the police station. If you remember on the news, um, Hamas went in and killed many of the police that were at that station, the main police station in Starot. And so after, sadly, all the people were killed there, there were still terrorists there. They actually destroyed the building. They completely bombed and destroyed and wiped out that Israel police station. That. Israel did, which was really smart. So when we got there, it was gone, completely leveled and all the rubble cleared away way. Um, but while we were standing and they built a beautiful, tall, tall, tall menorah, because right. of course, while we were there, it was Hanukkah, the festival of lights and everyone, no matter where we were in Israel, was ce we celebrated Hanukkah with so many Jewish people lighting that candle. Mm -hmm. And they were saying over and over again that, you know, the light of the world, those that know Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. Those that don't, the light of the world is going to dispel the darkness. Right. Even in Gaza, they erected um, menorah candles to, to be able to do that. But the anyway, IDF the IDF did. I'm not finishing my sentence well. <laughs> anyway, um, while we were looking at that empty 
place where the police station was, an elderly Jewish couple from Ashkelon drove mm-hmm. up there. And we obviously look very American. They came up, spoke no English. We speak very little Hebrew, but they just came up hugging all of us. Literally, husband and wife, right. probably in their 70s, maybe tears streaming down both of their faces, hugging us, saying, Toda, Toda, which is thank you, thank you. Thank you, you know, coming. why are you here? Thank you for coming. Never have we felt that welcome in Israel. We've been there many, many times, but the people were so surprised to see Americans in their country during war standing with them and supporting them. So true. And we were privileged, and I I mean that, we were privileged to meet with the uh, medical personnel that work with Magen David Adam, which would be Israel's version of the Red Cross. So these are heroes that were operating at Magen David Adam Center right there in Starot. Terrorists were up and down that mm-hmm. street several times. They could have lost their lives, but they and were in there did. saving lives. That's and right. And then many of them did lose their lives, but they set up a mm-hmm. triage center because they couldn't get people to a hospital. And Hamas actually targeted many of their ambulances. I think 14 or 17 ambulances. They literally shot the tires in the window so that they could not transport Mm -hmm. victims to the hospital. That's how intent and malicious this was. Yeah. So on October 7th, there's a lot of things that we're going to remember. But uh, I think the thing that really stands out to me Joanne, is this was a deeply divided time in Israel's history. Israel has so many political parties. I think it's like 28 political parties, deeply divided. The country had been going through massive protests. You see um, Israelis that were right, left, or middle politically waving flags, waving Israeli flags and protesting. And, And it was definitely the conservatives against the liberals, the right against the left. And what was happening is the country was dividing into two. And even more than that, with all the different political parties. Now, it is interesting. Nobody's burning a flag mm-hmm. because all of the people have served in the military. And so they're they're waving flags, but they were deeply polarized. Some love Netanyahu, some hate him, get rid of him. He's served too long. But on the day that they were attacked as a nation, Within a couple of hours, they united miraculously and they were as one. And so think about this. When we were there during Hanukkah, uh, we were at someone's house and the little dreidels that they uh, spin haven't. One of the games they play during. Yeah, is an acrostic. And it says, a great miracle has happened here. And what is that miracle that so they that, talk that about? So that goes back to um, back in the days when uh, the temple was taken over. Who took it over? I can't Antiochus remember. Antiochus Epiphanes. That's right. And they were desecrating the temple, sacrificing pigs, pigs on the altar. It was horrible. Well, the Maccabees um, of Israel rose up against them. They took back the temple and they were cleaning it back out. And they needed to remember the menorah candle in the temple is supposed to be lit 24-7. That's right. It's never to go out. The light, Jesus the light never goes out. It never fades. But they only had enough consecrated oil left for one day for 24 hours. And so it took a whole week to consecrate more oil, to have pure oil to put in that menorah candle. So they lit that oil and yet God did a miracle. That one 24-hour segment of oil lasted for eight whole days. And by the time the oil was finished, that new consecrated oil was prepared and ready to go. And you know what I love about Israel is they continue to celebrate the festival 
festival of lights today. In fact, it's even recorded in scripture that Jesus right. celebrated the, right. the festival of lights. And even today, there's so many Jews that don't understand yet that Jesus is the light of the world, yet they celebrate the miracle of the light. And one day that's going to come full circle in their hearts. They're celebrating what he fulfills. That's exactly. And one day they're going to understand in right. full. Yes. Yeah, so children play a game and they spin the dreidel and they sing a song and they talk about a great miracle has happened here. And it's all in an effort to retell the story and make mm -hmm. sure that the next generation tells of the mighty works of God. It's handed from generation to generation. We we're at a family's house one night and they were celebrating Hanukkah. They had dreidels that had come over with them from, from Eastern Poland. Europe yeah. in Poland. Yeah. And so before Israel was a nation in 1948, the dreidels would say this, a great miracle happened there, not here. Because the Israelis, the Jews were not in Israel, but in 1948, they became a nation. The dreidels were changed a great miracle happened here. Yeah. But one night we were able to look at those dreidels that were pre-Israel and they were really special to see. Beautiful, hand-carved, uh, hand-painted. You can see they're very old. So we'll show you a picture of that. After that, we were privileged to go to Magan David headquarters, Magan David Adam, meet with Ellie Bin, the director, and Uncharted, because of your generous uh, gifts and, uh, as we say, stunning generosity, we were able to donate an ambulance to Israel. 17 of them were destroyed uh, during October 7th and the next couple of days. Franklin Graham, Samaritan's Purse, donated, I think, 15 or something like that, and ends up that we were, Uncharted was able to donate one, and then later on, we were able to donate an AmbuCycle, which is a, um, which is a- Kind of like a motorcycle. Motorcycle ambulance. That has all the, kind of just the bare necessities for sustaining life. That's right. That's and right. it can weave in between that traffic that is worse than it is in Texas, let me That's tell right. you. Yeah. Um, but it can weave through the traffic and help save lives so um, an ambulance can get there that has more equipment on it. So gridlock never stops it. That's right. And so, Kind of like the pizza driver. Yeah. You know, gets in or the, the policeman the when he gives you a ticket. There you go. So <laughs> anyway, uh, but I love this. That one of the signs they had at Magan David Adam, it said, whoever saves one life is as if he saves the whole world. And there are 30,000 people on call continually uh, fielding calls. The average wait time for someone to pick up is less than a second. And the average time it takes Mog and David Adam to get to an emergency is two minutes or less anywhere in the country. Isn't that amazing? Now that is some system, that is organization. I mean, this is- It was, a, it was fascinating watching their calls and their call center and it is so organized, so peaceful, so calm. It was truly incredible. And then after that, we were privileged to go into the West Bank, into the Bethel area and work with a troop, a company that we were able to donate some much needed things, some new helmets to them, about almost a hundred soldiers, 95, I think it was. Uh, bulletproof vest, they didn't have those, and to go and be with them. And you know, the majority of them were Orthodox Jews, and typically in Israel, we know that the Orthodox Jews like evangelical Christians to be there to support them for tourism. Sometimes I think maybe they, when we're at the Western Wall, they think we're, we're in the in way, way, you know, probably, <laughs> yeah. or there when we're there for feasts and festivals. Mm -hmm. With Clogging open, up their streets. <laughs> yeah, with open arms, they welcomed us. Oh no matter goodness. where we were, we saw uh, Jewish men with yarmulkes on, uh, women that were Orthodox, 
thanking us for coming, thanking for helping. So here we go, off into the West Bank in the biblical uh, Judea area, just north of Jerusalem. And we are with a company of soldiers and Tommy and Josh and and uh, Eric, uh, and Lee, who's on Eric our team. And, and, and then Lisa. Lisa, we all got to be a part of this. And they marched a two mile hike together. Oh, so cool. We got to dedicate all the equipment and we were privileged to share the word with them. And as far as we know, only our dear friend, you know, our one messianic believer, the rest of them are Orthodox Jews or maybe just secular Jews. That's right. And so but they're we, asking a lot of questions. Why asking, are these evangelical Christians? Why are they giving us these things? Why are they standing that's right, with us? That's right. So I was privileged to read Psalm 27. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Which one is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So so we are honored to be with you. We've been... Uh, the Holy Spirit again just said, say this. And I said, listen, uh, Jews have been persecuted for 4,000 years, Christians 2,000 years. And you know what? The people that are persecuting you are persecuting us. And we are Jesus followers. And we're being persecuted too by the same people. So you know what? We need to stick together in these times. And a big cheer out of the group of soldiers. I never thought I would hear something like that. Orthodox cheering. Right. And in the sentence, we mentioned Jesus. Uh, right. And, so open. So open. And smiling. And it was amazing. And you were totally overcome. Each one of us shared. Tommy, Josh, Eric, Lisa shared. And you go up and were overcome by emotion and said, you, you could be my, you could be my sons, you could be my daughters. And I I don't know what to say other than I would just like to give a hug to every one of you. As your mom, you know, like your, if your mom was here, your mom would give you a hug. I would love to give each one of you a hug and pray a blessing over you. And so that's what I did. It was the sweetest thing, hug after hug after hug. And it was very sweet afterward. I, honestly, I didn't know what to say. I, I it thought just it kind was, of popped out of my mouth. And I thought it was amazing, Joanne, because when you said that they all clapped and after <laughs> that, they lined up, you know, they they're, so they're soldiers, sweet. they get in line, right? <laughs> and so oh, they did. So and sweet. I remember as we were going into dinner, you said to one soldier, did you get your hug? And he said, yeah, I I already got two, but I'll take another That's one. Right. <laughs> I just love and that. I them, but I did have the opportunity to pray over each one that I hugged. And it, it was the sweetest thing. And I cried when I did this. And I, I know Lisa was hugging the young men too, um, knowing we don't know what they're going to face each day. Um, we've seen and heard about some of their operations and they are downright scary. Yeah. Where they're going into they Hamas infested yeah. areas. Joanne, where I got choked up was one young man said to us, he said, I just sent your love. Thank you for coming. Thank you for providing this for us. You're showing your love for us. And he said, you are my new parents. And we just stood there. And then he put this on your neck. And then he he gave gave me this medal, bring them home and for the hostages. And so it was incredibly special. 
And it all comes down to this. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we should be Israel's best friends. We're grafted into them. If it isn't for them, we have no faith whatsoever. And so we have so much in common. We need to pray for them. Hey, I'll just say this. If your pastor is not sure what to say on a Sunday morning, if he's never brought anything up about the Israel war, he can do that and should do that. 80% of our Bible is about Israel. It started with Israel. It ends with Israel in the book of Revelation. Jesus is coming back. He's going to defend Israel. He's Jewish. (laughs) Yeah, the disciples were Jewish. So we need to, as believers, bless Israel, show them our love. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of friends right now. They need them. We need to use our voice and our actions to stand with Israel. We want to be found faithful when Jesus returns, don't we? All of us want that as followers of Christ. And we want us to love what God loves. And God loves the children of Israel. They are his chosen people, and they always will be, as Jeremiah 33 says. As long as the sun shines and that's the right. waves you know, roar, Israel will be my chosen people. So that's forever. That's right. Israel will survive. Palestinians are hanging in there that love Jesus, that are trying to stay out of right. the Hamas situation there in Gaza. Pray for them too. Pray for Israel. Pray for the hostages. And just know this, that this war is going to end. And when it does, it would be the perfect time to go and bless Israel and her neighbors in Israel. With your Go presence. with us. Go with us yes. on a Bible tour with Uncharted Adventures. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. God Thank, bless you. Thank you.